All righty. Welcome, sports folk, to a mid-May episode of the Angry Hacks podcast. Nunzi here with you, leading us off with episode 50 of the Angry Hacks podcast. Pretty exciting, boys. Episode 50, 5 It's Friday. We're ready to talk some sports. <clears throat> I got Stan the Man. I got Michael Hall. We're gonna uh, we're gonna start with the little NBA playoffs. Lots going on there. Um, you know, we got we got a lot to talk about baseball, Mets and Yankees. A lot has changed since the last time we've been on air. And uh, we'll uh, we'll definitely touch on the NFL draft post draft. How uh, how our Giants and Packers fared. Uh, Michael Hall, what's going on, brother? It's always a pleasure to chat with you, gentlemen. Of course, of course. And Stan the Man, I know you're fired up to talk uh, talk all sports. Oh, yeah, but especially the Celtics and, and their big victory over the 76ers and just ready to face LeBron. Bravo. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was a nice little series for the for the Celtics, and uh, you know, without further ado, man, let's talk about it. Talk about that. Talk about that um, that series right there. Well, I just have to say that this team, the Celtics team, is just the most fun team to root for. I love every single player on this team, save one. You could probably guess which guy pisses me off the most, but. These guys all fight with heart. They're in every game. It's just, you know, a guy gets hurt, the next guy steps in. Brad Stevens is the greatest coach in the game. I don't care what the votes say. I don't care about it. He's a great coach. Every player in the league knows it. Every coach in the league knows it. Fans know it. Everyone knows it. This team knows it. And they know that there's some someone special driving this team, and they trust him. Every single one of these players has bought into the process. Oh, you know what? We're going to sign Greg Monroe. Greg Monroe, you're going to come off the bench. You might play a few minutes. He's bought into that. This guy usually play, he plays starter minutes usually. He's playing off the bench here and there. He hasn't gotten into every game. You got, um, you got guys just ready to step in to take the place of the guy in front of them. There's always guys ready to go. Everybody can switch on every play. They switch defensively a lot. It's what makes the team click. Uh, I just love, I love this team. This is a fun team to root for. Uh, no superstars. You know, we had our superstar in, in, in Kyrie. He's out. We have our all-star in Horford still there, um, but he's not a superstar, but he's an all-star, and he's showing it here in this playoffs that he does everything well. This guy gets criticized for being called Average Al in Boston. He's been called Average Al. Mm. You know what? I'll take 100 Average Al's. This guy rebounds. He shoots the three. He has good low post moves still, that little baby hook that he has. He plays defense on centers, power forwards, small forwards. He switches on everything. He's a great passer in the low post. He runs the pick and roll well at the top of the key with no matter who the Celtics have out there, whether it's Kyrie, whether it's Shane Larkin or Terry Rozier, who's ever out there, he runs the pick and roll perfectly with them. It's because he is so good at what he does. And I don't know if you guys see that. But Al Horford is so good. Give me some of your thoughts on Al Horford. Um, to be honest with you, man, I really like the guy. He uh, and he kind of goes unnoticed um, in the big man world. You know, I mean, you know, you get you get a lot of talk about guys like Embiid and Car Anthony Towns and and guys like that. But uh, this guy's very unheralded. You know, he's he goes unnoticed and he does a lot of things like you just explained. A lot of things well. 
You know, a lot of, you know, he's not amazing at anything, but he does everything very good. And, and that's all he needs to do with, with that, with that type of team, you know? Yeah. And then like, I didn't even mention that he's our, I mean, when Baines is out there, he's a rim protector too, but he's a lot of the time he is our rim protector on the floor as well. He guards guys down low. He guards them up at the top of the three-point line, and, and he doesn't lose anything wherever he is. Like, he's still good on defense wherever he is. He shoots a high percentage from three. Um, free throw. His free throw percentage is real high. I trust him probably more than anybody else on this team right now from the free throw line. Mm. Even though we shoot a high percentage as a team in this postseason, we're at like 77%. Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown are really not great from the line. And Horford's the guy that I trust, and he's made big plays at, at the end of all these games. Really, everybody has, but Al Horford just doesn't get enough credit. You mentioned Embiid. You mentioned Carl Anthony Towns. You know, this is the thing. Like, he's our veteran guy, right? And mm. everyone's talking about these baby Sixers, and this is their, their young team, and, and they're young, and they're great. But you know what? The Celtics team is actually younger. Yeah. And that's not that wasn't talked about until after the series was over. Till like a few people were like, you know what? I'm looking at this, and Tatum's 20, Brown's 21, Rozier's 23. You know, Horford's our old guy, but Smart, who he plays like a seasoned vet, he's only 24. So, Embiid and Simmons are older than Tatum and Brown, and then you have Redick running out there. They've had guys that have been in the league for a long time. It's just that they sucked for so long in Philly. People forgot about them, to be honest. Bellinelli, Redick, um, Covington's been around a bunch of years. Uh, Ilyasova's been around for a long time. These guys have been around. And, you know, no one's talking about the Celtics youth. You know, and, and it's it's just been it's been a pleasure. It's been awesome watching the guy that pisses me off the most. And it's this guy has tunnel vision. Marcus Morris, it must be my least favorite time of the game is every time he touches the ball and he never looks left and he never looks right he just looks at that hoop it's oh, i'm shooting i'm shooting i could be fading away from 45 feet or shooting the layup at one it doesn't matter where he gets the ball his mind is just on scoring and i know that we need that sometimes but he really pisses me off and if there's anyone anyone that's ever gonna give me a heart attack it's probably marcus freaking morris <laughs> it uh, really pisses me off What's um up? Let me ask you a question because, I mean, you, I, I think at this moment, at this point in time, you kind of know how I feel about this guy. But, but talk about just the absolute amazing play from Scary Terry. I just like calling him Scary Terry. Terry Rozier, who's not a starter. He was not a starter for them. He was a guy that came off the bench, but he looks like a starter. Oh, he does. And you know what? If it, a lot of people are forgetting where this, where his kind of confidence started coming from. And it was last year in the postseason when Isaiah went out, Rozier had to step up and get some minutes then. And he played pretty well. Not like he's playing now, but he played pretty well. And it really, like, moved into this year, like, pretty well. And I was like, you know what? I think this is why they were like, you know what? We can trade Avery Bradley because we have this guy, Terry Rozier, behind him and Terry Rozier has stepped into that Avery Bradley role and you know what maybe and then some because he's been on the floor all year Avery Bradley has been injury plagued and he was again this year so the Celtics have said you know what 
this Celtics offense runs with the point guard. It's why Isaiah Thomas was so good last year. It's why when Rozier filled in for him a little, he was good. Kyrie comes in. Everything runs through the point guard, which most teams it does. But our offense is geared towards the point guard shooting at least 18 times a game, something like that. 15 Mm. to to 18 times a game. Now, Rozier shoots a little less than Kyrie does. But he, if it's him out there, he's going to shoot. If Larkin's out there, he's going to shoot. If Jabari Bird has to be out there, he'll shoot. And Rozier has not been afraid to shoot that big shot. He never uh-huh. gets cold feet. And his ability to not turn over the ball is amazing, like yeah. what I've seen in this postseason. And he's got some scary confidence. He does, and I love it. You got to love that. I mean, just like ice in his veins sometimes. Do you guys know... You know why they call him Scary Terry? Do you know who Scary Terry is? No. <laughs> it, it's funny because I had to, I had to, I, I said it, I think, in one of my classes for some reason, and the kids knew what it was. He's actually, it, there's a show called Rick and Morty. Yeah, yeah, I know that show. Yeah, and there's a character, and his name is Scary Terry. That's where they get it from. Uh. And the guy, he's like a, he's got like a purple, pinkish, like scary looking face. But he looks like Freddy Krueger. He's got like knife hands, a weird shirt, and like the hat. But he, so he's like kind of like an antagonist in the show. But that's where they got it from. <laughs> and I think it's funny because even on the bench, Daniel Tice had the scary Terry shirt on. on oh, the I saw, I saw that. With the, did he have it with the Bledsoe jersey on? <laughs> uh oh no! But somebody else in the crowd did. I saw that. That's a bar stool thing. Oh, okay, yeah. No, I mean, these guys with the t-shirts, by the way, they come up with this stuff so fast, and it's pretty awesome. Like the next day. The next day. These guys are quick on the trigger, and it all started in Boston, I think, with those Yankee suck shirts, but it it, it comes out fast. Yeah. And it's it's, all, it's awesome. Now, now, <clears throat> I actually have, a, you know, a couple, couple of interesting NBA questions for you that I've been kind of waiting to ask you, because, I, you know, I, I listened to... Um, I listen to uh, Tiki and Tierney on the CBS Sports Radio on my way home from work sometimes, and uh, by the, those guys are pretty pretty damn good. I, I like listening to them. I like Brandon Tierney. He's he's very knowledgeable, um, and Tiki actually does a nice job. But anyway, um, you already kind of mentioned Br- uh, Brad Stevens, and you know he definitely got he he, he I don't know he th- to not even get a vote is just beyond me, um, but. Going in a different direction here, you he, you've been hearing it for years now, years, and it just it, it doesn't go away because he's still playing at a high level, maybe even a higher level, and that's the LeBron versus Jordan debate. I mean, you hear it all the time, correct, guys? I mean, you, you hear it all the time if you're watching yep. any type of sports. Um, I want to know kind of what you what you feel about that. Who's the who is the better basketball player? All right. It, for me, do you want me to go, Mike, or do you want to? You want no, to go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go, right. Well, I want to hear what you guys have to say. Well, for me, it's still Jordan, and it's it's just the fact that, and maybe it's because uh, you know, maybe it's like a fine wine, and these these older players age well. And I know LeBron. LeBron, I'm not taking away anything from LeBron. He's he's in the conversation. Obviously, he's like the second or third best player ever, right? But I I think Jordan's number one. And part of the reason for me is I don't think Jordan ever took off games. And 
And I hate saying that about LeBron, but you know what? It's true. There's games where I feel like he's given up in the past, especially especially in the in the postseason before he ever won that first championship. He gave up some games. I remember like you watching him and he just looked, you know, dejected on the floor and like didn't care because he just knew they couldn't win and he stopped giving in his all. Right. Now it happened this year. The same thing happened this year. And then they made trades. And even though the trades aren't really good at helping the team, I guess it just made kind of a little spark under him and it changed his attitude. But I feel like he wasn't all in. And even against, um, you know, a lot of people are saying at the first round of the playoffs against the Pacers, he wasn't all in there for a little while. And then, you know, and then he's like, I don't care about these young guys. I'm, they're going to go with their veterans. And they put Tristan Thompson in, they play Kyle Corver and J.R. Smith and Kevin Love, all these guys that he's played with in the past and they go in and it kind of rejuvenates him i don't think jordan ever needed rejuvenation jordan was just in it all the time played 82 games every year not every year but almost every year this year was the first time lebron ever played a full season yep and and it's that's and, and that's not even the biggest part you know of the you know the argument i think that the fact that the game has changed, has really helped LeBron. The, you can't hand check like you could in the 90s and the 80s with Jordan. It mm-hmm. doesn't happen. They call, a, they call a foul on that every time. And Jordan, I mean, they both got calls, but Jordan had to play in an era where you could, like, shove the guy and fights broke out in the court and they didn't throw them out of the game. Yeah. And it's just a different time period. And he won – he made it to the finals – he once if he if he didn't retire the first time he probably would have won eight in a row but they won he won six yeah two six, three peaks six and oh two never lost right and never lost in the finals and that's tough and mm-hmm. I hate to say that LeBron is hurt by making it to the finals and losing but he kind of is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm I'm kind of glad your argument I'm, I was waiting I, you know what I knew you were going to kind of say that so I was kind of waiting for it but um you know, you mentioned the game has changed and I'm glad you said that because I think that that plays a big part in, in debating these two players as well. Mike, what do you think? Well, for me, for me, it's always Jordan. Um, I mean, LeBron is, you know, LeBron is tremendous, but I, I think Stan, you hit it on the head with Jordan. You mentioned LeBron kind of needing, Inspiring rejuvenation is the word you use. I think it was a good word, and and I agree with you, Jordan. His hunger and his fear of losing, I think, is what drove him to greatness. And I tend to just like that a little bit better. I mean, you know, people hate LeBron because of the flopping and the the, the crybaby antics. I mean, Jordan flopped too, and Jordan bitched at refs up and down the court as well. Um, and everyone, and then the argument, well, Jordan had Phil Jackson and he had Scottie Pippen. I mean, you know, LeBron played with some pretty good players too. And, and Chris Bosch and Dwayne Wade are pretty good. Oh yeah. <laughs> Kevin Love's not bad himself. You know, Kyrie Irving, you know, well, funny about Irving when you, I wanted, I thought about this when you were talking Celtics, Kyrie wanted out of Cleveland so he can kind of step in and be the man. Right. Yeah. And both of those teams, the team he left and the team he went to, are, are playing in the Eastern Conference Finals without him. Yeah. I, dude, 
you know what? I'm I'm, I'm going to change topics because you said this, and what I'm thinking, what I'm thinking about this, and this kind of worries me a little. He left Cleveland, so he could be the man. You're exactly right, and he came comes to Boston, and we have a chance now to make the finals without him. Now, yeah. what does that say to him? Is that like, wow, maybe I, maybe I picked the wrong team. This team could make it there without me. Do I need to leave them? Because he's not signed <laughs> long term. He's not signed long term yet. No. And that and that in a in a way it freaks me out. I don't think it's going to change anything. I think he will resign with Boston. I think he liked the basketball situation, the chance to play under Brad Stevens and with guys like Al Horford and Hayward and stuff like that. But the oldest without that, Hayward too. People forget about Hayward. Yeah. And it just worries me just a little that he might get, like, cold feet. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, if we won the championship, like, shock the world, I think that would really change. He'd be like, oh, my God, what do I do? I guarantee he's been thinking about it. It has to have crossed his mind. That's kind of interesting. And, and yeah, Mike, you said Hayward. He hasn't been around all season. He got hurt in the first game. I know. Um, just what about this, right? Let's say Hayward doesn't get hurt and he plays all season. Does doesn't that change um, Tatum's role all year? Yes, because he and has been the, fantastic. He's been unreal, and it, it changes a lot of guys' you know roles on this team, but mostly Tatum and Jalen Brown. And if Hayward's there, he's not getting the minutes now. So. Mm-hmm. Well, he'd get minutes, but he wouldn't be getting these minutes. He wouldn't be the guy. That, he's the guy that creates for us on offense. He's Dude, the one he... that's shooting the shots when the when the shot clock's running down. That's the guy we want shooting because he's the best jump shooter we got. He is. And a, he's the guy he's gonna be a stud. The most because he's long. Now, the crazy thing about it is, would I mean this is just gonna help us for the future because now he has this confidence and he knows that he can succeed in the postseason against the best of the best. Mm-hmm. He's shown it now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, when, round one. Yeah. No, what, what I was just going to say, just to piggyback off that, I mean, he, you know, he went to a program like Duke, which is used to winning and being in big games. So I think that helps too. Oh, definitely. And as much as I rip on Duke and don't like Duke. Right, we don't. <laughs> it, it definitely, it's definitely the case. This guy's 20. He carries himself like he's 30. He's, he carries himself like he's been in league for a long time. And Agreed. I love it. He's very mature. Um, I really like every time he shoots. Like, there's, there's only a few times where I'm like, oh, that's a bad shot, or I wish he would give that up. But no, for the most part, he shoots high-quality, high-percentage shots. Yeah. Nothing ridiculous. Sometimes, but, but every rookie's going to do that. Every player's going to do that. Look at freaking Marcus freaking Morris. <laughs> you like Marcus Morris, Roy? Oh, drives me freaking bananas. Um, Quickly. Go ahead. I was just going to say one thing about this team. And, like, the guys that go unnoticed are the the heart and soul of the team. And, you know, I think everybody that's not a Celtic fan hates Marcus Smart. But I love this guy. Mm. I love this guy. He makes every big play. He'll turn over the ball maybe five times in a game, six times in a game. But then if you need a play, he'll make that play. When the time comes for someone to make a play – He'll make the play, and I just love him. Aaron Baines has, has has been a very big spark plug for this team, takes a lot of posterized dunks and doesn't care that he's going to be on posters by all these guys. He don't care. He's great, and I love it. 
Yeah, he's he's at, he, I mean, he has been outplaying. I mean, the guy hasn't really played much, but he has been outplaying a guy like Greg Monroe, which uh, you know, I, I Greg Monroe is a better talent than Baines. But I think for this team, the fit for this team, Baines just it, it makes sense. He plays very physical. He played. He's been. He played Embiid really well defensively. By the way, the best he could. You know. Yeah, the best he could. And you know what? Letting Embiid get the, not letting him, but Embiid getting his thirty points and twelve rebounds. He's gonna get that. <laughs> he's gonna get that if they keep giving him the ball like they did. Yep. But when it mattered, there was time. He he affected a lot of his shots. Mm-hmm. And. And I would take Baines any day. This guy is a bruiser. This guy was a rugby player, you know, in Australia. And yep. it shows out there. He's tough. He's a tough SOB. Yep. And and you know what, Rye? <clears throat> and what it all comes down to, you're talking about guys like Baines being on the floor um, to play physical against Embiid. Um, all this kind of stuff, all these rotations, Terry Rozier being the guy he is, I am putting it all on Mr. Mm-hmm. Brad Stevens. And the way he has coached, he knows he knows um, how to coach different situations, which I think is important to winning. Yeah, and and this is the big thing with with, with you know we're talking about Baines and we're talking about Stevens, we're talking talking about what he you know what he plays. He's not playing Monroe like we talked about now against Cleveland, which I can't believe we're here, and I love that we are. Mm-hmm. Against Cleveland, don't it de- all depends on who Cleveland throws in their starting lineup. If Tristan Thompson starts, I think Baines will be in the starting lineup. Yep. If Tristan Thompson doesn't start, I think Ojale jumps back into the starting lineup so that he can guard LeBron for the first few minutes of the game. Like he did uh, Giannis, right? He did Giannis. And he's not going to be on him as much as he was on Giannis because we're going to need the offense. But he's going you know, so, to be out there. 10 minutes a game guarding LeBron. But Marcus Morris is going to have to step up and guard LeBron. Tatum's going to guard LeBron a little. Jalen Brown's going to guard LeBron. Horford's going to guard LeBron. They're all going to take turns. But yep. I think I think if Thompson's not in the starting lineup, I think Ojale's out there starting the game on LeBron. Now, if Thompson's in the starting lineup, I think that Baines is out there guarding Thompson. They're going to have Tatum on LeBron, and I think – I think Horford will be on Love unless they switch those and put Horford on LeBron and, and Tatum on Love. But the thing with the Cavaliers against the Celtics is Tristan Thompson kills the Celtics. He, it feels like he gets 15 to 20 rebounds every game. It's not really the case, but it feels like it. And then Kevin Love always has these monster first quarters against the Celtics. The reason being is they, they just feed him the ball. They run plays for Kevin Love the whole first quarter to give LeBron rest. And you might have seen that article this week about LeBron resting in the games, and he's kind of perfected it, and he has. Mm. That's what they do against the Celtics. Love always gets like eight shots in the first quarter. And I'll be curious to see if that continues to happen here. But don't be surprised if we see some weird stuff with Ojale back in the starting lineup, Uh, maybe even Marcus Morris, because the reason why Avery Bradley was expendable is because of Terry Rozier. But it was also because Avery Bradley couldn't guard LeBron James, even though he's a great defender. He's just not big enough. Marcus yeah. Morris is big enough. We traded for Marcus Morris for this series. Hmm. That's why he's on this team. Well, let's let's hope he. I mean, he's going to piss you off at some point, but let, let's hope let's hope he makes makes a difference in that aspect. <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll. We'll see going forward. First game is Sunday, I believe, 3.30, correct? 
Yeah, great job, NBA, putting putting a basketball game, game one or a game seven. If, if the Celtics-Sixers game went game seven, it would have been 3.30 on Sunday, which is freaking Mother's Day, you dummies. <laughs> like, why would you put it on Mother's Day so that every guy in America that's a fan of these teams could be, oh, honey, I'm, I'll give you the morning and the night, yep. but yeah. from, from 3.30 to 7.30, I have to watch a basketball game. So, so more, more divorce this year. <laughs> yeah. Because exactly. cause cause of this Sunday. <laughs> like, you dumb shits. <laughs> um, one, more, one more question. Um, I mean, if we can quickly kind of talk the, the other side, the Western Conference, because it's, it's, it's super interesting as well. Um, you know, you got Rockets, you got Warriors. My, my big question, I mean, it's, pretty, it's, pretty, it's a pretty straightforward question. Can the Rockets, can they win that series? Yes, but I really don't think so. I think the Warriors are so much better as a team. They're, they've turned it on a little bit in the playoffs here. During the regular season, they weren't fully engaged, but they are now. Um, Curry's back, and he's healthy. They have, <coughs> they still have four of the best guys that you can run out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, get, I guess a lot depends on what the Rockets are going to do with Clint Capella. Because he's really their guy that he hasn't come out of nowhere, but he kind of has, I guess, in a way. Like he's 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 almost like a star. Some team is going to throw him a max offer this year, and they're going to put the Rockets in a tough spot. Mm. Um, do we match this? Do we spend this money on him? If we we got to pay Harden, we got to pay Paul. Um, but Harden and Paul have faltered so many times in the postseason, and I know a lot of people keep saying it, but I I have to see them do it before I could ever say they're going to win the I, big I, one. Agreed. Agreed. You know, you know what, you know what too? Um, damn, I just had a brain fart, but, um, Chris Paul, you, you mentioned Chris Paul. He has absolutely turned it on the last few games when that series against the jazz, he absolutely turned on. He was the guy. It wasn't Harden in that series. It was Chris Paul, no, I know. Chris, Chris Paul. And then, uh, and like you said, Capella played fantastic and Capella played so well against, um, Gobert too, a guy that, is is pretty good defensively. That team is good defensively, Utah. And Jazz had their, I mean the the Rockets had their way with that team. Yeah, and they did. I mean, Capella really played. He sh- he showed that it doesn't really matter who's there. He's going to get those rebounds and he's going to put a lot of shots back, you know, inside shots and it doesn't matter who's defending what rim protectors out there. He's still 6'10 and his arms are freakishly long and he can get a sh- like a hook shot or a a put back over anybody and he hustles. He hustles more than anybody out there. Yeah. He's like a gazelle running down the floor sometimes. He runs floor to, he runs the full court for you know, to, to be the follower for like an alley oop or something. The guy he, he he's really athletic and he's a great rim protector and he he think he leads the, the postseason and blocks. He he's a tough inside presence. But what happens with him against the Warriors when they're shooting the lights out? And yeah, they're playing small. Down low. Yeah, and that's what I was kind of gonna gonna go at. Um, so I, I mean, answer me this, because I mean, me and Mike, we're not, we don't know too much about the NBA, obviously, and that's why we got you. We got you to to discuss this a little bit. So answer us this: how do how do the Warriors have so much success without really a a a good number five? You know, a a good center. 
Well, this small ball lineup that they ran out there a bunch of years ago now with Iguodala playing that five spot, and Iguodala is just a solid defender, and he's getting old now. He's 34, but he's 6'6", you know, so and Draymond pushes to that center, who's a 6'7 center. <laughs> That's amazing. But it's amazing. Um, it's, it's, the, it's the ball movement. It's the spreading of the floor. It's the fact that all of them could shoot. Yeah. Uh, Clay... Steph Curry and Durant are three of the best shooters of their in the game today, and they're all on the same team. That's scary. And it's scary. And and Durant could shoot over anybody. Curry can shoot from his hip from half court, and I feel like it has a fifty percent chance of going in. <laughs> and Clay can sneakily hit eleven threes in a game without you even realizing, <laughs> because they're just they're so good, and. When you have a guy like Draymond Green who will guard any team's best player if he needed to, he's an unbelievable defender, and his work ethic and heart and hustle in the postseason is like no other. He yeah. has really turned this team into, you know, he really turned that knob, you know, to eleven and Spinal Tap in this series, like in the in this play, <laughs> playoffs, like, love it, like no other, because he got he lit a fire under Durant. He knows his role and he plays it to it. He plays it perfectly, and they don't need the guy that's going to slow them down. Uh, and like Javale McGee or Pachulia, they don't need that that yeah. out there to slow them down. They don't need it. It's uh, it's so amazing too, dude. Because you know Zaza and uh, and McGee, you know they're they're the centers uh, on that team, and they play like ten to fifteen minutes a game. Yeah, and and they then, seem they seem to rotate like guys like Looney. And uh, and David West, they get like you know they get like between fifteen twenty five ish minutes, and it works. Yeah. yeah, because if McGee and Pachulia are out there, they're not going to be able to spread the floor. So yes. just say they're facing Capella, who's the shot blocker, or a Gobert, who's a shot blocker. Those guys are great rim protectors. If if McGee and Pachulia are out there, they're going to be by the rim. Yeah. <laughs> But if Draymond's out there on him, you have even though Draymond's not a great three-point shooter, he still shoots the three-pointer. You have to defend it. Yep. You have to. So that center then moves out towards the three-point line, and then they lose that rim protector that's out there. It's, it's, it's kind of like how Ben Simmons against the Celtics. They didn't even play up on him at all because they knew he was never going to shoot. And I can't believe that he never like, at least attempted a three. an outside yeah, yeah just just to put it in their mind, like oh, he's going to shoot it. We might have to go out there to defend him. No, he never did. So we never did it. We never went out there to defend them. But with the Warriors, that doesn't happen because Draymond will shoot that shot. Amazing, that's amazing. But yeah, it's amazing how much success they have just you know playing that small lineup. But you said it; they they can shoot. They can shoot the lights out. Huh? Yeah, they're, they're impressive. I'm, I'm kind of with you though. If if you know, if I were to if I were to bet, I would say the Warriors are going to win that series. But I could see. I mean, the Rockets could win, but I think just the Warriors are going to be too much for them. I agree. That's where it's going to go. Um, any more basketball you want to touch on before we move on? No, just the Dwayne Casey getting fired and Brad Stevens not getting a vote and all that. Quick, but now I'll do it really quick. Go now. Dwayne Casey, every, a lot of people thought he was going to get fired. The fact that he wins Coach of the Year and then gets fired, it looks bad on Toronto. But I think they just think they need a change. I do think it's a little unfair that it's LeBron that he's run into that's beaten him every time, and, and it's kind of unfair. 
Mm. Not beating LeBron. DeMar DeRozan is not guarding LeBron. He's not, you know, OG Anobi is a rookie who he had on LeBron. I think it just looked bad that in game four it looked like they gave up. But you know what? Their backs were against the wall, and they didn't fight. But he, they won 59 games this year. They went 59-23 and 23 with, and, and had the number one seed, and then you fire your coach who's had three 50-win seasons in a row. You know what? You're Toronto. You've never won a championship. This is the best you've ever been. This guy should be known as the greatest coach in history. You shouldn't be firing him after winning 59 games. Okay? Now, the other thing is these coaches voted him the, the coach of the year. Good for Dwayne Casey. He changed the offense coming into this year, and it helped. And it seemed like it was going, 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 going in the right direction until they ran into LeBron, 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 right? But these coach of the year votes, Brad Stevens didn't get one. You mentioned it a little earlier. I don't care that he didn't win. Right. Just the fact that he didn't get a vote is weird to me. But that that's it. Yeah, I mean, oh, well, I guess, whatever. I mean, he's sitting in the Eastern Conference Finals right now, so. Exactly. If He'd rather have that championship. I agree, and if they gave it a postseason coach of the coach of the postseason, he'd probably get that. But you know what? They don't. So be it. So be it. Exactly. I'm with you. All right, boys. Baseball. Let's move on. Baseball. Um, you know, since we've last talked, those Mets who started 11 and one have uh, have totally taken a, a, just a nosedive. And <clears throat> God, good freaking God. Let's just start with them. Because I'm ready to explode. Um, ever since that, man, they're seven and sixteen, four and eleven in their last fifteen. Just an absolute back to New York Mets baseball we've been used to seeing the last few years. And I mean, I just didn't see it coming so quickly like this. I really, in my heart, and we talked about this, right? In my heart, I really thought they were going to be a pretty good team, not the eleven and one team that they started out to be, but I thought they were going to be a pretty solid team. Um, throughout the year, but holy shit. It's the same story though. They can't hit again. They cannot hit and their pitching is not going to take them anywhere this year. It's just not, it's not good enough all around. I mean, let's talk, let's just talk about this. And then I want to be that annoying guy that runs that, that shows you a couple of numbers, but let's just like, let's talk about this, right? What, what the hell are you seeing from this team right now? I'm seeing a lot of bad at-bats. I'm seeing a lot of long counts for our pitchers, high pitch counts. I'm seeing, uh, you know, erratic from every, uh, you know, everyone's erratic. I think I thought that I'm just really frustrated in the lack of fight that I thought that we would have and that we looked like we had the whole beginning of the season. And, it just looked like we were going to keep fighting. There's a lot of games that, you know, we had that winning streak and we lost a few, but then we won some games late and come from behind wins. And the bats are going cold now. And we have like one guy on this team hitting over like 250. And it's Cabrera. He's hitting 321. There's nobody else hitting. And it's, it's scary. I look at the lineup. Nimmo, 240. Cespedes, 250. Adrian Gonzalez, 250, who's actually been okay uh, at, at times. 211 for Flores, 198 for Conforto. Yeah. Reyes has a few hits, but it feels like he hasn't had a hit this year still. Yep. Um, Rosario, 240. And it's just, it's just not, 
uh, it's just so frustrating. And we and we get, finally get rid of Harvey, and we feel like this is like a weight off our shoulder that, that maybe the cancer is gone, and it hasn't looked good since then either. Yo, and I'm so glad you brought up those two guys. This is, and and that word is perfect, frustrating. That is what Met fans are right now, is frustrated. Absolutely frustrated. And you bring up two players, I'm glad you did, Rosario and Conforto. Okay, Rosario, he's very young still, but I'm not seeing much from him right now, bud. I'm looking around the league at some of these young guys, and they're playing awesome. Guys like... um, uh, the two, uh, the two Braves guys, Albies and Okuna, are playing like seasoned vets. Um, you got all, a bunch of these other young guys. I don't know. Throw some, Mike. You throw some guys out that are young that are really playing good. Well, uh, about six miles away, you got Torres and Andujar. No, I know. I, I knew. <laughs> I, I was gonna well. get to them, you asshole. <laughs> I figured, but I mean, they kind of they kind of jumped out in my head. Um, I know that. I know that. But then, um, you know, there's there's some other guys around the league, that, real young dudes you like gotta, these two, um, that are playing their balls off right now. Like I just can't think. I'm just it, keep thinking, but I'm super frustrated because got a guy like Rosario who who I, I I want to be so good. He he was the number one prospect a year ago, but he he just doesn't look good. And Conforto, a guy that I thought was going to be like our three hitter for years to come. Hitting under 200. He's got two home run, two or three home runs. I mean, it's so freaking frustrating. It's not even funny. It's so frustrating. Right, Raya, those two frustrating you as much as they're frustrating me. Yes. And this is my like, and I just hope it's just a frustration for now and things get better. And I know that like we, you know, you're bullshitting a few years ago or whenever that was, and I was like, you know, why don't we trade Rosario for like McCutcheon? And obviously that looks foolish to, to say it because he's the number one ranked prospect in the, in the league. And it looks foolish that we would trade him for like a veteran that's getting washed up. But this is what always worries me about the Mets. All these guys don't, they, I just feel like they don't pan out. The only two they, hitters yep. ever panned out are right. And Reyes, that's it. Yo, yep. I got to take a break back in a few minutes. That's fine. Uh, Mike, I'll just, I'll just keep going, but Good. he's right. It, it's just, it, I know, listen, I know Rosario, this is his really his first full season. But when you, when you look over at, at guys at, on, in the same division, like Albies and Okuna, these guys are absolute stars right now. They're playing and awesome. With the kid, uh, Kingery in Philly, right? Oh yeah. There you go. Kingery. And even guy like Reese Hoskins, he's a young guy too. Sure. Sure. So, you know, you look at, especially in your own division guys, you see a lot, um, you know, kid. You just saw Cincinnati. A kid like uh, Winker, 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 yeah. Winker, whatever. I mean, you know, Duvall's still pretty young. I mean, they're not really lighting it up by any. Trey stretch, Turner, Trey Turner. You know, there's a lot now. I think with Rosario and Conforto, I'll try to put a positive spin on it. I mean, Rosario, yes, still very, very raw, mm-hmm. very young. I mean, listen. I don't think you rushed him up here. He did have to earn this spot, and I think he did. But I think as he matures, as you see the plate discipline improve, I mean, he swings at everything. Everything. Um, which at the big league, Vladimir Guerrero. Yeah. And there's only one Vlad Guerrero, or maybe two now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
But I think Rosa, I think there's enough skill there, you know, long, lanky, wiry kind of frame that I think can really play. I think if the plate discipline comes, and that's something that can and, and usually does for the good ones, um, he can still be a player. Conforto, you know, I think he's still really young, but I think we've seen just about enough from him to kind of feel okay about him. I mean, the injury was really weird. Maybe still not 100% or maybe just a lot of rust, you would hope. Um, I don't think he's a bad hitter. Like I said, I think we've seen enough of the kid to just he's – a, he's a good hitter and he, and he has a professional approach. Um, so I think you want to call it a lot of rust or maybe – Came back too soon. I, I don't know, um, but if that's the case, you know you got to get him right physically. But I think that's all it is with him is physical. So um, those two guys. Now listen, Cespedes is going to hit. He's starting to heat up a little bit. To be and, honest, with you. you know, but the thing about Cespedes, you're always waiting for a DL stint. Yep, um, which I'm sure will come. Mm-hmm. But so, you know, he's not going to hit. To what 250 all year he's not he's going to hit to the baseball card he's going to get back into the 270s um and he's going to have some big hits for you guys as long as he's on the field so yeah bats go cold we understand that um but the pitching i mean vargas geez oh my god i mean Syndergaard has been uh, he's he's been you know Compared to an average major league pitcher, he's still been good, but he has not been close to what you need from Noah Syndergaard. Nope. Um, DeGrom, of course, uh, you know, the health. So, yeah, the pitching, you know, if, if the bats are going to go cold, you have to. And you haven't been getting it from there. So that equals uh, a slide. And that's yeah. what you've seen. I mean, listen, I, I understand that in baseball, um, there's hot and cold streaks all year and, and it happens individually and it happens as a team. Um, but what bo- just what bothers me is that hot start that they had at 11 and one, which um, has only been done for from a, a very few teams in, in history. Um, yeah. You know, and I knew they, like I said, I knew they weren't going to start out like that at 11, you know, at that 11 and one clip. Um, but they have totally been on top of the mountain and then just, they kind of just, they, they held an anvil and kind of <laughs> jumped and jumped. That's how, well, that's how quick it kind of like just seemed like, holy shit, they're 18 and 17 now. I know. You know, in a blink um, of an eye. Right. In a blink of an eye. And that's how it, that's, that's why it's frustrating. I, we need to take we te- we need to have a counter on how many times I say frustrating today because it might be like over a hundred. Well, that's it's, legit how I'm feeling right now. It's it's um, it's frustrating. It's super frustrating. Now I, I'm gonna throw some some numbers out there on on how frustrating it is because I, I was really digging into this. I wanted to see how badly like we really were playing, and it's it's true. So if you go to the hitting side of the of the team, it's back to where we were these last couple of years. Um, they're 25th, and this is the entire league. They're 25th in average at 230, 29th in hits, and this is out of 30 teams. You guys know this. 25th in home runs, 
<clears throat> and now these these three stats are you know more my favorite. Twentieth and on base percentage. We know how important that is for as a team. They're three twelve on base percentage. Twenty seventh in OPS. Six eighty four. You you want to at least get in that seven hundred range um, to be respectable. And twenty uh, eighth in slugging. Obviously, not hitting home runs. Your, your slugging is going to be down um, at three seventy two. So. I mean, there's the trend right there. They're at the bottom of the barrel in all hit, all all like major hitting categories. So, I mean, that is nothing new from the past couple of years, but it's it's pissing me off so much because that just that just tells me, and I think we knew this. That just tells me we need another one or two bats, maybe even three bats, to be considered a, a good team offensively. Um, now, what has carried this team? Um, since we got all those young arms, is the pitching, obviously. Now, team pitching this year so far, they're 18th in ERA. Didn't think we were going to be that that high at 424. Um, here's my favorite stat. I don't know if you guys like this stat as a, pi- uh, a pitching stat. Batting average against. I think that might be my favorite stat. That's the most telling stat for me. <clears throat> they're 17th in the league. Uh, so teams are hitting 248. Now this is the whole team. This is starters. This is relievers and 13th in whip, which is not terrible. It's kind of ab- above average, I guess. Um, now what's really killing us this year. And it's funny. It's not the relievers more. So it's the starters. I mean, the relievers, they were first for a very long time, first in the league in, in most categories. Um, and then they, you know, they cooled off substantially, but, they're still sort of respectable relievers. Starters, 20th in ERA at 4.44. I know Vargas's like 14 ERA doesn't help. Um, this one, this, right, this one pisses me off the most. You ready for this one for the starters? Yeah. They're 24th in innings pitched. Yeah. 24th. That's going to kill a bullpen. Yep. Absolutely destroy a bullpen. Um, and then, like I said, the stat I like, 23rd in batting average against. Teams are hitting 261 off the starters. I mean, I don't need to go through the reliever stats because they're actually pretty decent. They're kind of like middle of the road. But as you can see, I mean, stat-wise, it's ugly. And I know, like, people get carried away with stats and people are like, oh, you know what, sometimes stats don't tell at all. But they do. The numbers don't lie, do they? And it's just, Mike, it's frustrating. <laughs> it's frustrating. It, it's super frustrating. And you mentioned DeGrom. He's really the only starter that, I, that, that, that goes out there and I've been confident. I mean, he's, he's pitching awesome right now. And that's why when he got hurt and it was an elbow issue, I like threw my hands up and like, I, I quit. That's it. I mean, I, I mean, I quit. The guy, I mean, the, all the guys gone out there and done is just, Absolutely pitched phenomenal. He's his ERA is under two. Um, he's three and zero, oh, and he you know fifty four strikeouts. His whips under one. I don't know. Like like you said, dude, Syndergaard hasn't really been what he should be. I mean, this is what Syndergaard's line looks like: two and one with a three point zero nine. Um, I mean, he's got fifty four strikeouts too. Ten walks is actually a lot for him. He was a guy that just don't walk, doesn't walk anybody. Ten walks is a lot for him in forty six and two thirds innings. 
I don't know. This team is just it's killing me. So I want to I want and it's it's starting to get to the <laughs> the usual Mets mishaps. And Rye, I didn't see this. Thank the friggin' Lord. But what happened the other day in that game? It's funny that you it's funny that you say this that you didn't see because I because I was at work. Mm-hmm. But I did see the update like on my phone. And I'm looking and I'm just and, and it says Cabrera double Cabrera out for batting out of order or Bruce out for batting out and I'm like, What? I'm like, what? What? I'm like, is this a fucking joke? Is this April fucking Fool's Day? What <laughs> is right now? I'm like, did Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway hand in a fucking lineup card? I'm like, what? What happened today? What happened? And that's all again. I'm like, is this a joke? And then I'm looking on Twitter. I'm like, okay, maybe these guys are bullshitting me. And I'm like, seriously, I thought it was a joke. And I'm like, nope, not a freaking joke. This. And then I'm like, does this happen to other teams? And I'm like going banana. And I'm like, so I looked it up, and the last time it happened was 2016 with the Brewers or something. This is two cards. Like, you know, do we have to have like that? What is that? Like Waterhouse Cooper look over our freaking lineup card to make sure it's sure? <laughs> like, I just don't understand. I mean, like, oh, like, oh, it's so frustrating. Like, this is a blunder, and I. And I hope that this is just that and we don't ever see this again. And I don't think we will. But apparently Willie Randolph made a big mistake um, in in Cincinnati also his first year as Mets manager. And it wasn't like the lineup card, but it was, um, oh, a double switch. He screwed up a double switch and they called him out or something and he and they had to give up something. And they lost. I don't, I don't remember exactly, but Willie Randolph screwed up a double switch in Cincinnati his first time. So maybe it's the air in Cincinnati or the bad Italian food. Who knows? That makes managers do something. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. But, <laughs> listen, I, I got to take off for a little bit, boys. I'm glad you mentioned this um, this idiotic, moronic, ridiculous Mickey Mouse organization bullshit lineup card that you have guys like Steve Harvey and Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway laughing that it finally happened to somebody else. They're forgiven and doing something stupid with a card that they read wrong or wrote out wrong or something stupid. And it's ridiculous. Oh, I mean, you, I'll try to be back on later. You, uh, yeah. Thanks. Right. I mean, you hit it, you hit it on the head. Uh, Oh, only the Mets, man. Only the Mets. Ugh. Your Yankees don't do stuff like this. They don't. I'm sorry. They don't do stupid shit like this. Well, um, to conclude this stupid team, uh, right now, uh, they are no better than a fourth-place NLA's team. Um, the Phillies and, and the Braves are playing actually really well, especially the Braves. Nationals are starting to hit their stride like usual. We knew that was going to happen. And a team that was 11-1 once are now about to be uh, – about to be a 500 team because Jake Arrieta has just shoved the bats up their ass. They're losing one nothing. We get one one run let up by Steven Matz. I, I mean, I, I would throw my hands in the air, but I'm not because <laughs> they're losing one nothing in the eighth. So this team's a freaking joke. Wow. Again, I'm hoping the next time we're on here that something more positive will happen. But, um, I mean, on the other side of the coin, the Yankees have gone through a crazy 
unbelievable streak and they've been coming back in games. So Mike, talk about, talk about some good baseball, please. Yeah. Well, 17 at 18 is going to uh, put you in a pretty good spot. Um, I mean, they lost last night, a bunch of losers. Um, well, once I saw a rod and JLo camera kept going to them in the stands, I'm like, God, what a, what a jinx, you know? So I'm not surprised. Um, but again, they battled back from four, nothing to tie it in the seventh off Joe fuckface Kelly. Um, but of course, Boone thinks he can squeeze two innings out of Batantis again. Um, you know, you get a clean inning from Batantis like you got in the seventh. You just take it to the bank, close up shop, and bring someone else in. I don't care who the fuck. I don't care if you're bringing Chase and Shreve, who just threw the previous day, or I don't care if you're bringing, bringing Billy Crystal. I don't care. Just not Batantis again. Serves up a home run. A little Yankee Stadium special. Judge almost had it, and some fucking idiot, idiot Yankee fan tries to catch the ball. Why the fuck would you want to catch a Red Sox home run? Get the hell out of the way. I know jackass now like yeah, i probably didn't matter but holy shit dude yeah what so whatever um yeah walk-offs left and right from this team um neil walker with big hits um and duhar walks it off against cleveland and then that sunday game against cleveland i think sums up the whole streak i mean going down to houston and doing that um you know they lost a the game to to morton um, whatever. The next night, Verlander is just chopping their balls off. Um, but that was the game Montgomery started, got hurt. Herman came in. This is the game before his first start. It was essentially a start because he came in in the second inning and did a fantastic job, kept us in the game, and then Sanchez with the three-run homer. Giles punches himself in the face because he's a fucking whack job. Nice um, we're off and running there. So the job down in Houston to take three out of four. Um, keep all those big silenced all week. Altuve didn't have any big hits. Um, you know, great job. But that the Cleveland series, the Andujar walk off, and then that Sunday game. Back to that Sunday game. I mean, scoreless through, scoreless throughout, and then, um, you know, kind of had a bullpen implosion, mini implosion. Jonathan Holder just isn't a big leaguer. Feel bad for the kid. He's up here because Canely still hurt. Um, you know, we give up a four spot. We're down four nothing. It's just the perfect game to just pack it in. You know what I mean? We had a great streak. It's a rainy, kind of gloomy Sunday. You already took. You already won the series against Cleveland. It in, but they didn't. They just don't. And then Torres with the walk-off home on that. Neil Walker with a, a, a huge double at, to follow Hicks double in the ninth, and then and then Glaber walks it off. Um, it's just you know, it's just really good stuff to see. I mean, um, and then the Boston series that just wrapped um, again. Just that you know, getting to Kimbrel there. Gardner's huge night the other night, and then Judge with the cherry on top with that missile. Um, just awesome stuff. I mean, tonight we open up with Oakland. You know, we run through that gauntlet of a schedule. You know, Houston, Cleveland, Boston, and, you know, do such a good job. What, uh, 11-2, and 10-2 in that stretch, mm. um, whatever it is. 
and then we get like this little lull in the schedule. And what do we do? Sonny Gray puts us in a huge hole. You know, we're down four nothing in the third. But again, we battle back tonight. Judge with a three run homer. Um, it's six five right now. We just had the bases loaded and one out in the seventh. Um, Judge bases loaded walk to make it six five. Um, and then with three and four coming up, Didi flew out. Stanton made an out. So a little disappointing there. So we're down 6-5 in the eighth. Um, but Sonny Gray, he, his last two starts had been good. He was really the only question mark on this whole entire team the last two, three weeks. You know, Severino's been, you know, Severino's not much you can say. Tanaka's been good. CC struggled a bit last night, but he's been good. Um, Herman, uh, what can you say? I mean, the, the fill-in for Montgomery and then his – First major league start, he takes a no hitter into the into the seventh and just has to take him out because of pitch count. <laughs> um, but Gray, you know, two pretty good starts. Then tonight, not with seven five Oakland, because we got this kid Hale on the mound. I don't know who the hell that is? Some yeah. uh, some Scranton, some Scranton call up, I guess. Matt Joyce just took him deep, seven five, whatever. Mm. Um, but Gray tonight, Gray put us in a hole. It's just he's the only question mark with this team. I mean, I guess if he never really figures it out, which is a disappointing thought. At least we didn't give up. You think about what we gave up for him. I mean, we gave up uh, Dustin Fowler, who actually returned to Yankee Stadium tonight with the A's. Remember, he was the one who got hurt. Right, right. Yeah, I do remember that. He didn't he run into the wall or something like that? Never gotten that. Never, never gotten that bat. Remember, bottom of the first, he goes out to right field and chases that ball down yeah. to the side wall and and runs into that into the wall and that electrical box or whatever. Yeah, and yeah I remember just, that. Just annihilated his so knee. he was the uh, redhead, right? No, not the redhead. No, no, that? no that's Clint Frazier. Oh, Clint. Frazier. That's the Red Rocket, who's right. I think who's had that concussion in spring training. I think he's slowly getting back into baseball. Okay, so he you still have him in the organization. Yes, yes, okay. he is. He's just on. He's been on the shelf for a while with that concussion, which scares you. But I think he's getting back to kind of right. um, swinging. Yeah, you don't and, really need him right now. Let him no. let him get healthy. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's no rush there. But Fowler, good to see him healthy and back. Because I mean. A lot of people, you know, we're thinking kind of having a, a moonlight Graham situation from Field of Dreams, or <laughs> you know, he finally gets the call. You know, he's obviously hitting at the bottom of the order. We're in Chicago, so he doesn't hit in the first. He goes out to the field, bottom of the first, tears his knee up. Yeah, I remember that one now. So he was in that Sunny Gray trade. It was him. It was Caprillion, okay. and it was uh, Jorge Mateo. So Mateo has been terrible down in the A's minor leagues, um, and Caprillion hasn't really pitched. I think since he was like seven years old, it seems like always hurt. So he's <laughs> So I guess, you know, it's not like we traded away huge future pieces here. Um, but Gray has to be better. Yeah, um, to. You know, it, it, you know, you're always looking to improve your team. Obviously we will be buyers at the deadline. You would think, um, I think a pitcher is definitely going to be on the, on the plate acquiring one that I should say. Um, so we'll see getting ahead of myself there. It's still only May 11th. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you still, the Mets too. it's still only May 11th. 
Right, I know. You got to ask the questions, though. I mean, you got you got to talk about it. Of course. I mean, course. it seems it seems as though this team, if they had a weak link, I guess their weakest would be their starting pitching. Um, right. But okay, so let's say you know, let's say you have the starting pitch you have right now. Let's just say this is this is the these are the guys that are going to go out there in the playoffs. Can this can this team win the World Series? Can it win it all with this starting pitching right now? Yeah, I think so because remember in the playoffs you can shorten it, mm, right? Um, so in a playoff series, we're looking at uh, Severino, Tanaka, and CC for sure. Um, Veteran, yeah, I would remember, do. Remember, Sonny Gray didn't really have to pitch much in the playoffs last year. He had that right. start against Cleveland where he was not so good. Um, he pitched that. Uh, game four, he started that game four against Houston in the ALCS. I think that was at that game. He he pitched well. He made one mistake to Gurriel, the three-run double. Um, but he he battled pretty well. But, you know, I, I can't trust Sonny Gray right now. I really can't. I can't trust him in a game against the fucking Oakland A's on May 11th. So I can't trust him in October against Cleveland, Houston, Boston. Um, mm-hmm. But the top three guys are fine. Now, you know. After that, is it is you know Domingo Herman ready for that spot? He might be. I mean, the kid seems pretty cold blooded. Um, his stuff is electric. I mean, and he's got the change up. He's got he's already got the pitch that keeps you in the big leagues. You know, every kid that comes up has the electric fastball and and the and the frisbee slider nowadays. Yeah, but those guys are a dime a dozen. Why don't they stick? It's the third pitch. I mean, it really is. Um, and he is he's he's got it already. Um, and he's got the confidence in it. So I think the kid has a really, really good chance to stick here. Um, getting ahead of ourselves talking playoffs, who knows? But to answer your question, yeah, I think um because I trust Severino and I trust CC and I trust Tanaka, you know, I'll take three guys I feel good about. And and roll the dice with uh, with everyone else. And once yeah. the bullpen once the bullpen's full and healthy, that shortens games too. So, absolutely, um, yeah, I think the staff's good enough to win. And you know what's you know you actually kind of answered the second question I was going to ask you. Um, you know, I, I mean, and, and it's probably inevitable. They're pro- they're going to be, or they're probably going to be buyers, and uh, and a buyer would probably be the starting pitching. And that, that was just going to be my, that was going to be my question to you. Like, will they make, are they going to make a deal for a starting pitcher at the deadline? Um, yeah, I think they're going to, or they would have to, I mean, they have, they have the youth too, to, to, to send some prospects or whatever. Right. We still have, you know, like baseball, whatever prospectus or whatever. I think we're second or third still. Yeah. Yep. I think you guys are. All these prospects have graduated to big league status. So that's saying something. We still have a lot down there. Um, but the question is, like, who would that be? Yeah. You know, like, I, I don't know. I'd have to look at it. You know, obviously, we have a lot of time to go to see who's going to be sellers. Hmm. Um, but I think a, a name that is interesting is Bumgarner. Ooh. Ooh. Um, now, a, a couple things there. Um, he's hurt right now, but it was, you know, Fluky. You got hit with a line drive. Um, I, I, you know, he'll be back here 
at some point. Yeah. Um, the injury last year was fluky. He was riding a fucking dirt bike in the off season. So it's, these aren't throwing injuries and you know, this kind of, this might help him. It might, you know, he's not, it's not logging a lot of innings because the guy throws a ton of innings. So it's almost like he's had some rest here with these, these weird injuries. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're gonna have to give up a lot for him too. And yes, you know that. right. That's that's the next question. What are you giving up? I mean, two big prospects. Yeah, and listen, I think major league ready guy right now. And Duhar. Yes, there you go. Would have to be in that in deal package, and I think I would do that. Um, oh yeah. You know, I think Torres is the untouchable king. Um, right. I think Cashman's made that evident. But, you know, and then guys, you know, you still have Estevan Florial, who I love down in the minors, um, the center fielder. Is he, I, I, you know, would he have to be in the conversation? Maybe. Um, you know, we still have Justice Sheffield and Chance Adams on the mound. So Domingo Herman. We'll see how, you know. So we definitely have the pieces to pull that off. I mean, he's still young, too. He's, he's like, like 28. 28, yeah. He's like corner. right in his prime. So... You know, holy shit. I mean, Lefty you would, too. right. You would have to, you know, you know, th- and forget about worrying about, you know, him handling New York. I mean, this guy's been a, a playoff animal. Oh my God. Yep. So, I mean, Good come on, there. you know, you've seen it. So seen it firsthand. So <laughs> yeah. you don't worry about that. Um, you could even fucking Otani him and DH him some nights because he hits Yabo <laughs> every time. Yeah. He, you know, it's like six <laughs> homers a year. <laughs> so, so it'll be interesting once we get closer to the deadline. You still got a lot of time, obviously. Um, but you know, all in all, I mean, what a run! Um, yeah. So we're right back in the thick of it. You know, Boston had that amazing start. We answered, and I think it's going to be fun all year with these two teams. To be honest. Um, and you know what, um, like, are you kind of, you're probably not knowing you, Mike, you're probably not, but are you kind of like annoyed or pissed off that the Yankees didn't go out and, and, and pay for Garrett Cole, just looking at what he's been doing this year? Uh, did they even offer him anything or no? That I'm not sure. Yeah. We, they may have, we may not even know though. I don't know. Cause you know, there, there was obviously talks that, you know, it would have been a, a good fed and it was, he was the guy, the kind of guy the Yankees were looking for, you know, he's still under team control, still a control arm. And, uh, I, I don't know, maybe Houston is cheating and <laughs> if he came here, it wouldn't have been the same story. I don't know. Um, yeah. What, yeah. Hell of a season so far for him. It's been untouchable. Oh my God. He's been unbelievable. That whole staff, that whole—I mean, I know huh? that's. Oh my God, no! I didn't even see Stanley's text. Mets top of the ninth hit back-to-back home runs. They're up three-one. There you go. Forto two-run shot. Mezzarocco. Devin, Me- let's talk about Mezzarocco for a what quick is- sec. Oh, hello. go ahead. I mean, this kid and Conforto. Don't worry about Conforto. I know, I know. I'm getting crazy. Yeah, kick a little rust off. You'll be fine. Um, Mezzarocco, remember when Mezzarocco came up a few years ago? Mm-hmm. It was 2014. Dude, the kid was hitting like 400 his first like I remember month that. In the big yep. It was like a long time. He raked. And then he just got injury after injury after injury after injury. It was ridiculous. I mean, the kid could not stay on the field. He couldn't even get on the field. Not even stay on it. He couldn't get on it. 
-hmm. And apparently to the Reds, you know, a lot of the Reds people are saying he's finally healthy again. So, I mean, it's an, even a, even an injured Devin Masarocco, even a corpse is an upgrade from fucking Lido and, uh, ear low batone. Yeah. High batone. Jose ear low batone. But a healthy Mazzarocco is a giant upgrade. And, you know, could, you know, if he comes in here and, and hits, man, at, you know, instantly lengthens the lineup and gives you some pop from behind the dish that you've been starving for. I'll, t- I'll tell you, man. And, and I've been thinking about it the past few days. What a fall from grace, Matt Harvey. What a fall from grace. A guy who came into the league just an absolute stud. You know, Mets and Red Sox had those, you know, preliminary talks about Harvey for Betts or Harvey for Bogarts. And now he gets you guys left. Devin Mezzarocco. Wow. Yeah. And you know what? I kind of laugh because he goes to the worst team in baseball right now. And not a great park to resurrect a pitching career. Right, right, right. I know right. You, you you heard Harvey for bats and Met fans went, get the fuck out of here. No way. And now it's Harvey for Mazzarocchi. You're like, all right, that's better than a bag of balls, which I would have taken too. So, uh, it, yes. and, and, and we're talking in a period of what, three and a half, four years? Three years? Yeah. I mean, half, we're not talking like a decade later. You know, it's not a Tom Seaver. This is like... No, uh, it's, a, it's a fall from grace. It's the it's the best way to put it. Now it is part of me feels bad for him because it's hard enough to come back from Tommy John, and apparently it's really hard to come back from this thoracic outlet. It's such but, a weird, but to come back from both, yeah. I mean, that's asking a lot. It's asking a lot. But listen, this is the, now this is part two of that, and this is where it's on Matt Harvey. If that happens to you. You have to just look at yourself in the mirror and go, listen, I've, I've been dealt a bad hand with these injuries. I'm not going to bitch about it. I'm not going to complain about it, but I have to make some changes and I have to eat a piece of humble pie. If that means go to the minor leagues, try to figure some things out. Um, maybe a different pitching coach in the organization can give me some op- open my eyes to a new idea or a new uh, theory or something and see how you do or you know mickey calloway goes all right man we're going to move you to the bullpen you know take some pride in that and, <laughs> and take it as a, as a good opportunity to be a, a really good relief pitcher i mean what's the problem dude relievers make they're making bank too these days dude you're gonna make your money even in the he- bullpen I, I'm a hundred percent with you. And he didn't eat the humble pie. He ate the dick pie. That's yeah. what he, ate. he, he ate. serves up the dick pie. He's still acting like he's an all-star. I know. And he's not, he's, he's not even right close. Now. He's not even a big league pitcher right now. Right. You need, you need to be humble in this situation. Put the blame on you. Try to get better. Tell, tell the media you, you're going to try to get better. You're going to, you're going to do anything. The team tells you, you're, tells you to do to help this team win. But you didn't do that. No. You were an his, asshole about it. His ego is so big that he went, um, look at these bullshit injuries. I'm still Matt Harvey, so it doesn't matter. Right. 
No, it doesn't work. That was, that, was, that was the message. And no, it doesn't work that way. And I'm glad they freaking they, they designated him for assignment. That was the that was the time to do it. It it, it just it it was that was it. They've had enough. Yeah, really. Enough. It's good good for them, seriously. For an organization that handles things horribly. Um sometimes. sometimes. It's not all the time. But good for them. Matt Harvey does not call the shots here. Yeah, no. When you when you when you handled the situation like that, you know what? And it's funny because if he didn't handle it that way, if he was humble, if he did kind of put the blame on himself and, and try to do everything he can to get better, I don't think they designate him. I think they they work with him for a little while, and they and they try they they yeah. they try to try to see if he can he can better himself and better the team. But Listen, he has to be an asshole. It sucked. It sucks that he is not the same pitcher anymore, but. His attitude and his outlook is the reason why the split happened. And right. the, and Heyman, John Heyman had a, a, a very interesting story. Um, he wrote an article about Harvey going to Cincinnati. And um, but he, he was a cancer in the clubhouse. If this story was true, that it had to be. The story was um, the Mets were down playing in, in Miami. They had an off day after the series. Harvey asked Terry to to stay a day later just because he wanted to hang out in Miami and party or whatever. Wow. So he did, okay? Um, and he comes back, and he's in the locker room, and he's, and he's bragging about, you know, the exploits we had he had with, you know, a, a, probably a, a pretty attractive girl down in Miami and, and this and that. And from across the clubhouse, and I wish I knew who it was, a veteran player said something to the effect like, yeah, but, you know, has she, has she seen you pitch? <laughs> like, and, and said it in a tone of, like, enough with your bullshit, dude. We don't care. You suck. Go bang whoever you want, all the supermodels you want. Dude, you suck. And we're tired of hearing about it. That was kind of like the tone, at least that I got from it. So if if... if that if any part of that's true, then he it, it got it got to be too much of a problem, and they just had to do it. Yeah, it was it was the time to do it. I'm glad they did it. And you know what? You get somebody out of the out of the situation as well. And listen, he hit a home run just now. And maybe if he doesn't get hurt, he he's the uh, he's the guy we need to just you know give us a little offensive boost. Yeah. We'll, we'll take anything right now for uh, for this offense, but um, yeah, enough enough of Harvey. I'm sick of talking about him. One thing I wanted to do another baseball story. How about this? I'm I'm sure you heard about about uh, the David Price story. Did you hear about this David yes. Price story? Yeah. So, so you know, for the people who who didn't hear, I was listening to on the radio this morning. I'm I'm kind of cracking up, and I. I know about this game, this video game, because the kids play it at my school. It's called Fortnite. You know, it's kind of like the old uh, Call of Duty, like shooter games. Um, okay. Uh, but it's uh, it's more third person kind of shooter, um, and it, it, it's kind of the same thing, though. You know, you go around, you you shoot people, you get points, whatever, and you you win for your team and all this crap. I don't know too much about it, but that's what it is. Anyway, so David Price plays it so much that this motherfucker got carpal tunnel from playing freaking <laughs> Fortnite, and he had to miss a start. Well, <laughs> this is what gets me. Go ahead. For, 
first of all, he says um, that the carpal tunnel is not from playing Fortnite. But then he goes, oh, I'm going to stop playing Fortnite. Well, why? Yeah. And then number two, it just happens to be before his start against the Yankees. Oh, really, dude? <laughs> Dude, it's from video games. We've played video games before, and you know, if you go on an eight-hour eight video game binge, you know how your wrists feel and your fingers feel and all that crap after that. Dude, what a he he sucks, dude. <laughs> it's because like, it's playing too much, too many video games. Yeah, but if you know, if this was a start, you know, against Tampa, uh, you know, I don't know. Isn't he awful against the Yankees too? Oh His God. ERA is insane. It's like dude. terrible. It, it's hilarious. We ab- we absolutely own the guy every single time. So I don't know, Price. I just thought that I thought that was the most. That was a funny, funny story, and I knew you would enjoy that because yeah. it's the Red Sox. Oh, Jesus, carpal tunnel from playing video games. Carpal. It's almost as good as when uh, Joaquin Benoit hurt himself playing Guitar Hero. Oh remember yeah, that? that's right. I remember that. <laughs> How much Guitar Hero do you have to play <laughs> to not be able to pitch? Wasn't it like, uh, was it a forearm injury too? Uh, I forget exactly what it was. Because when you're strumming on that, I know that puts a lot of strain on your I forearm. Guess, dude. You know, if he's playing through fire and the flames on expert, <laughs> you know, like sh- absolutely shredding on expert. <laughs> I-, I can see him trying to beat that high score. You know, my forearm would hurt. And, and the funny thing is, like they were saying, like David Price, like he's got he's playing it in the clubhouse too for like hours. I know. Well, that's what he said. I'm not going to play it in the clubhouse anymore. Yeah. I didn't get carpal tunnel from playing Fortnite, guys, but I'll stop playing in clubhouse. Yeah, he's just trying Come to make on, excuses. And yeah, let's wait for his next turn against the Yankees. He'll say, you know, he's a ward on his butt and he can't pitch or something. <laughs> he's got hemorrhoids from playing Fortnite. <laughs> I just thought that I, I, I'm glad, like it, it just popped in my mind because I was listening to on the radio this morning and I'm like, are you kidding me? Unbelievable. Um, kind of a, kind of a cool little story too. I listened to, I listened to on in the morning. See down here, it's, it's interesting because they have, um, they used to, they used to have the ESPN radio, but I, I don't know where that went. All of a sudden it was just like gone one day. So I listened to, um, it's a CBS. Um, so it's kind of affiliated with Duffy, uh, Duffy, W-F-A-N. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, you know, Mark Malusis. Moose, sure. Yeah, so it's Mark Malusis and uh, this guy Taz. He was a wrestler. Um, I remember Taz, the wrestler. Yeah, you remember Taz? So he yeah, does, yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. Taz and the Moose. Huh, interesting. Um, in the morning. And they took over for, G- it was Giannotti before he took the uh, um, the Boomer, the morning show okay. uh, with W-F-A-N. It was Gio and Jones, Brian Jones, who used to be a football player. Um, big Cowboys fan, loves Texas football too. But anyway, it was Gio and Jones. So once Giannotti went, uh, you know, with Boomer, you know, they split up and Jones didn't want to do the show anymore. So they brought in Malusis and Taz, it's Taz and the Moose. So I listened to them in the morning uh, and uh, they were, um, they were talking about, where the hell was I going with this? See, I digress a little bit. Yeah, you meandered. We were talking, uh. We meandered a little bit. See what happens when you... Uh, First, it was the price story, but you were listening to the radio this morning. Wow, this morning. is so terrible. <laughs> Where was it going? <laughs> Where was this story? Was oh, no, no, no. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. Back on it. Had nothing to do with baseball, but okay. um, this actually happens to do with us and actually Rocky Point. 
Ah, yeah, pretty interesting. And um, I'm listening to them, and they're talking, and you know, they're you know, they're big radio guys, they're big faces. We've heard them before, and they were uh, discussing uh, something. Oh, they were talking about the um, the lacrosse, actually, like Taz loves lacrosse or something, whatever. I think his son plays. But they were talking about like the NCAA's, which are coming up, and um, they were they were discussing Stony Brook women's, and they actually had mentioned Joe Spelina on the show, which yeah. is pretty. And Taz is like, "Yeah, I know Joe Spelina, this and that." I was like, "Wow, that's so interesting." Yeah, Joe's big time, man. I know he's big time, but I, I just kind of thought that was that was interesting. I'm like, it, it caught my ear. I was like, "Yep, I know that guy too." Well, shout out to our buddy, head coach Andrew Ashentino. Rocky Point Baseball League champs this year. I I know. I saw that. It's awesome. Congrats, Ash. And our old buddy, Ryan McSherry. Uh, Longwood League One champions. Yep. Saw that, too. Excellent. Great job, guys. Absolutely. And the playoffs start Monday. I got to check the brackets, see where everyone's laid out. And uh, got to go go try. And definitely Rocky Point. I would love to go see McSherry coach with uh, Longwood, too, in a playoff game. But uh, see what I can get to. Definitely going to try. Yeah, definitely get to that. I'll, uh, uh, man, I would love to come up and do that, but uh, not going to happen. Um, yeah. But yeah, shout out to those two guys. That's awesome. Um, let's uh, let's finish off with the uh, the NFL draft, a little post draft talk. Yeah. Let's see how our teams did. Um, we like it. Yes. We uh, we do. We do. I mean, uh, I know we've discussed this via text, but uh, I think we like it. And you know the Giants. They, they had a they had a prime time spot here at number two, and uh, there was a lot going on, a lot of talk going on. And we talked about this draft being a quite an interesting draft going into it, and we didn't really know what was going to happen. Very unpredictable going up until the draft. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield goes number one to uh, to the Browns after we thought that maybe he would go to the Jets. So the Giants are sitting at two. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I had that feeling for like a week up into the draft that they were going to, they were going to go with the best player available, um, and go with a stud running back in Saquon Barkley. And they did. And I was, dude, I was pumped. I went to, uh, I went to this, you know, bar restaurant, um, with, uh, with our buddy Jay Gray and, uh, and my brother, Justin. And, um, you know, so we watched the draft there and when the, when the giants, uh, when that douche Goodell, um, announced Barkley, dude. I, I just, I, I kind of went nuts in the bar, in the bar, because I, you know, dude, I, I think that's just, uh, it's a great pick. It, it's a great pick, man. It is. You get your stud running back. It is. It's a sexy pick, you know. It is, and it, it's splashy, but it made sense. I mean, because we talked about it a lot. You can't trade down there unless you know someone only a few spots below you wants Barkley. Um, right. We talked about that a team that wanted the quarterback. You can't trade down with, um, cause you don't want to be sitting in that 11 or 12 spot exactly. and get what you need. Um, so if you didn't listen, if you didn't, if you didn't love Darnold and they didn't, then you take Barkley and you, I think you should be happy about it. I mean, yeah, it's a running back. Yeah. The shelf life is shorter, blah, blah, blah. But the impact is going to be immediate. Um, it's going to be big. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to help right away. And, you know, he's going to be he's, – he's, he's special, and he's going to be special right away. Yeah. And you know what? It's just they needed to make some sort of splash like that, and they did. Um, I know, you know, that offensive line struggled mightily the last couple of years. Um, you know, you could have traded down to try to, 
you know, you know, get one of those big, big mamma jammas. But you know what? Come uh, round, you know, round two, pick thirty-four, I believe. You get your bruiser. You get your running bruiser to clear some lanes for Barkley and Will Hernandez. And dude, coming into that day, um, you know, second pick, so they they pretty much they don't kick it off, but they're the net, they're that next pick. So once the Browns make a pick, um, I'm sitting there the whole time, actually all day, because I'm just kind of reading up a little bit, and I'm like, you know, offensive line's probably a good good spot right here. Get one of those big dudes. Um, you know, Gettleman loves his hog mollies and, uh, they go out and get Will Hernandez from UTEP. And I watched some, I watched a little, uh, little highlights, a little film from him and dude, he looks good. I love, I love the pick. The guys, the guy just cleared lanes like you wouldn't believe. And he's not the tallest dude, but he's strong. She wrong. He's, he's strong and he's mean. Yeah. Um, he's got a mean streak to him. And he is a hog molly. Um, Gettleman probably was targeting him for a long time. So he's my favorite pick of the the giant draft. Um, you know, Barkley's he was the best player in the draft. Mm-hmm. Listen, you got the best player in the draft who happens to be a running back, and you got the best run blocker in the draft. Um, so I mean, a plus with those two. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and let me just, I'll just round off the, the, the our other picks really quick so we don't have to spend too much time. But, you know, round three, they go uh, they go linebacker and get Lorenzo Carter from Georgia, who actually really, I like this guy. Yeah, another good um, pick. Yeah. And he'll, um, you know, he'll play, he'll play outside in that 3-4. Uh, um, I think, uh, you know, y- you can never, we, ju- we just picked up, you know, we just traded for Ogletree this, this year, which was, I thought it was an excellent trade. Yeah. Um, now you get a guy like Lorenzo Carter. So they're building up that linebacking core to play that 3-4, which I'm pretty pumped for. Um, it's different than I've seen. You know, The Giants have always been that 4-3 defensive scheme, and this will be interesting. I'm kind of I'm kind of excited, to be honest with you. Something different to, to watch um, on the defensive end. Um, and they, have the, they, they now have the talent. They got to they gotta stick together and work as a defensive unit like they should, and they can they can be that defense they were two years ago. They can. They still have the talent there. They got Landon Collins. They got Vernon. Um, they got Snacks Harrison. So you add a guy like Ogletree who's been proven already, and now you, you draft a guy um, like Lorenzo Carter, and then the, their, uh, their other third-round pick who they got in the JPP uh, deal, um, they get that guy B.J. Hill out of North Carolina State to D-tackle, okay. um, which I think was a great pick too. Just keep Keep adding on to that defensive line because you know that is where the Giants have made their money, man. I'll tell you, is that defensive line. And uh, just skipping a pick really quick, in round five, which was their last pick, um, they get another defensive tackle from Miami, R.J. McIntosh, who they said they'll probably use outside as well um, on that 3-4 defense. You know, they'll make him a little bit of a defensive end or they might rotate him inside as well. Because you, you have Dalvin Tomlinson too. You, I mean, Snacks is obviously going to start, right? That nose, right? And then you'll you'll you're definitely going to roll in Tomlinson, who had a great rookie year last year, by the way. Um, so you'll you'll bring him in, and now you got guys like Hill and McIntosh to see how they do. Um, and then you know what? They they got their quarterback. If we rewind uh, around round four, they grabbed that guy Kyle Laletta. So, I mean, you know what? Yeah. He, guy had a great um, 
what was it? That pro game. Um, the uh, senior bowl. The senior bowl. Yeah, there you go. The senior bowl. Um, they had a great game. I think that's where he kind of stood out to some of the scouts and everything. But I mean, we'll see. He he can battle it out with Webb for for the future. I mean, sure. you know what? If they can be somewhat serviceable and, and and maybe open some eyes who, who knows so we didn't end up getting a quarterback um but those are all the picks we had if i were to give this this draft for the giants a grade i'll go b plus i'll go b plus okay i would grade it higher yeah um, a minus i would yeah i would put him in the a range all right i'll, I'll go b plus a minus I'll, I'll put it together i'll be i'll be annoying okay. like that okay yeah um, we'll give him like a 90 right right there you right. go a 90 if we're going numbers. Um, so the Packers, they had the most picks in the draft. What would you see from them? Yeah, well, we'll, we'll start with the silly ones because when you had the most picks in the draft, we ended up losing one in trade. So we had 11 picks. Damn. Drafted a punter. Drafted a long snapper, um, which is silly. But when you have 11 picks, and listen, that told me. Right, right. That, listen, Goody, his first draft, I thought he did very well. His board held up in the later round, so he didn't. Get silly and start moving just for the sake of moving because he has all these pecs. He trusted his board, made got his guys, and uh, away we go. Um, now, the first round was interesting. Um, you know, I was joking with you guys, you know, last year I had to stay up to the late 20s just to yep, see them yep. trade the pick away <laughs> and then ended up taking Kevin King early in the second. So I'm going, oh, wow, 14th pick. You know, it's still in the prime time, you know. So, so here we go, and we're getting to 14, and, you know, there's a few defensive players. I, I wanted to see them pick. Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, 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 oh, his name's escaping me already, Florida State, Derwin James. Derwin James, yeah. And Tremaine Edmonds, um, who's still only a teenager. I could not believe that. Wow. 19. Um, so – Fitzpatrick goes to Miami, and then uh, Washington, they pick right before us, and they all of a sudden we have Tremaine Edmonds and Derwin James on the board there, and I'm about to cream my pants, to be honest with you. Yeah. And I see they trade the pick away. <laughs> I almost got in the car and just drove into the woods. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I could not believe it. But, haha, Goody, he's – first draft behind the wheel, but no stranger to this. He knows how it works. So what does he do? Trades back to 27 with the Saints, gets their first rounder next year, and then trades back up into 18 and gets the guy they wanted anyway. That's great. So we trade back a net of four spots. We get Jair Alexander who was our guy the whole time, apparently, and I'm fine with that, and get the Saints' first-round pick next year. Nice. So a great job in the first round there. Second round, we double down on corner and take Josh Jackson, who uh, I saw a lot of mock drafts going in the first round. So no disrespect to uh, Denzel Ward at Ohio State, but I think those two guys were the top two corners on some boards. Not everyone's board. Obviously not Cleveland's board. But some boards liked Alexander and, and Jackson the best, and we got them both. Hey, and you, you you've always said, man, you can't have you can never have enough cornerbacks, correct? Well, when you when you can't find the guy, yeah. I feel like um, you guys have been drafting cornerbacks for the last ten years. We have. We tried this with Randall and Rollins. 
Um, Rounds could never see in the field. Randall had, you know, flashes. Now he's on Cleveland. Um, but King, I think's a hit. Um, he played really well last year. You add these two guys um, into a room where you bring back, you know, Jermon Williams is back. Yeah. On a one year. A Devon House. Now Devon House, you know, we struggled last year, but we asked him to do too much. Um now a guy like House and Williams, yeah, they're gonna get important snaps on the outside, but it's more of a leadership role. It's more to groom these kids because those three guys are the future. I mean, King and Jackson on the outside, and you put Alexander, a fast, tough little son of a bitch in the slot. Um not afraid to get his nose dirty. Um, really excited about that. Um, and pretty much, you know, we drafted a, a lineman. We drafted a pass rusher. But the other big story of the draft was three receivers. And what stood out to me was the size. They are all big. Hmm. Jamon Moore was the first one we took from Mizzou, 6'4", 220. Um the kid St. Brown, don't even ask me to say his first name, Equiminius. <laughs> Equiminius? I might have oh, that you right. Oh, got, you got that guy? You got Equiminius. Equiminius St. Brown. <laughs> Sorry, Equiminius, if I'm saying your name wrong. But, Excellent. Um, I didn't know you guys got him. <laughs> yeah, 6'4". Again, 6'3", 6'4", 220. Nice. And then um, the kid from South Florida, another tongue twister. He's got a hyphenated last name. It's Valdez Scantling or something. Um. This kid's more of a project, but when you look at the numbers and see that he's six foot three and a half, two hundred twenty pounds, and ran a four three seven, wow! Um, that combination of speed and, and size does not grow on trees. Um, you can't teach that shit. So just teach him how to run the route and catch the ball. They said there was some routes on the tree he struggles with, struggles with tracking the football a little bit, um, but you. You put him in a in a good system with Aaron Rodgers, teach him a little bit, because um, that size and speed is exciting. So, obviously, a big receiver, because um, because really think about it, it's you know Devontae Adams who's who's blossomed into a, a star in the league. I think we can say yes. And then you know Randall, we love Randall Cobb. We all love Randall Cobb, but he's he's been banged up. Um, but with those two guys in the field. And just if one of these young guys hit, you're going to have three good ones. Mm-hmm. You have Jimmy Graham now. You still have 12 behind center. So, Because remember, the receivers we've, we've drafted in the last handful of years have not worked out. Um, I'm talking about guys not even making the team. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Trevor Davis, he's going to be on the roster. But, you know, he's a return guy um, and kind of a fill-in receiver. So... You're taking three cracks at a at a replacement for Jordy Nelson, and you got to think you, you got a pretty good shot of hitting on one. Um, right. so, so that puts us in a good spot. So a really good draft by by Gutekunst. Um, that that trade in the first round almost gave me a heart attack, but it, it was a sly fucking move, man. It was a really really good move um, to get a first rounder. From the Saints, who drafted, who remember moved up, and you everyone thought it was for Lamar Jackson, right? To move right. up to that spot, right at fourteen, and they end up taking uh, who's that defensive lineman from? Um, uh, what's his name? 
He was definitely on my radar for for the Packers for a while, but I can't. Davenport. E- uh, why does that sound? Davin. Not Davenport. Oh, that was somebody. Hmm. Hey, I'm going to look this up real quick because I want to. I want to get this right. But I'm what like- a surprise! I mean, to, so to give up a first round pick. Yeah. To move up and not take the quarterback. I mean, the guys on set at NFL Network were going, well, Christ, to, to trade away a first rounder to move up 14 spots in the first round, how is that not for a quarterback? Um, right. But it was, yeah, Marcus Davenport. Okay. From uh, Texas San Antonio. Um, freak athlete, may end up being a really, really good player, but surprising. So, anyway, um, that's who the Saints took uh, moving up with the Packers. Packers traded back to trade right back up. And I even said it. I was texting with your brother at the time because um, we were both collectively about to have a heart attack. But I said there's no way on God's green earth the Packers just sit at 27 and pick there. They're going to be moving back up. They had so many picks to do it. Right. And they did it. And I think they, they did a really good job. So A minus. Okay. And uh, away we go. And you know what? <clears throat> Just one thing on uh, on Barkley that I love too. You know, the talent is great. It is the talent's great. But if you have a guy that has that much talent, but is showing that he's an issue, um, either in the locker room or off the field, kind of like Odell is kind of starting to be. Um, it, it it puts a crimp in this style, you know. It it really does. It puts a little a little negative uh, attention. But this guy, I just keep hearing great things about Saquon Barkley. Um, he's already like doing you know stuff with the kids there, um, charities, and 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 he's 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 working with some, with, with some people. Um, I, he's just like great character guy too, and that's what the scouts kept saying too. Um, and one thing he said that I see a quote that he had, he says, I don't want to be that guy that thinks he is a high draft pick and that he has it all. Nothing is given to you. Everything is earned. You have to have that mindset. Just that small little quote there. I just like where his mind is at. I really do. I saw him work in, um, some, you know, uh, I don't know if they were OTAs, but some rookie drills, you know, right. And they said he was working on running a little Texas route, which is that little, uh, you know, you angle out towards the flat and then cut to the middle. Mm-hmm. And he just he was just working on subtle movement to try to kind of sell like he's going into the flat and then sticking his foot in the ground and running the Texas. And he wanted to keep running it. I think whoever was running the drill was like, okay, let's move on to the next thing. And he mm-hmm. said, no, I don't think it's good enough yet. It's yeah. little things like that. That he already gets the uh, there's so many nuances, um, especially at that position, jumping to this level. Yep. Um, that a lot of kids coming out of college take for granted, and I think he he gets it. Um, and even Will Hernandez, you hear him. I don't care if I play left guard, right guard, right. Yep. I'll kick if coaches ask me to. I mean, yeah. it's the kind of kids you want. Um, obviously, um, you love to have those kind of guys in the locker room. And uh, listen, like you said. Having the talent is one thing, but uh, that only takes you so far. Yeah, man, and 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 a team like this that had, that went through so much last year, you need guys like that. 
<clears throat> nice, young, fresh faces that, that are coming out and, and will do anything for the team. Um, and, and you know what's great about Barkley, too, other than that? Like, it, we're talking about his play. Obviously, the type of runner he is and how he can, you know, receive the ball out of the backfield. He's a great blocker, too. Yeah. And that is going to be absolutely huge with, you know – an offensive line that's still, you know, iffy. We don't know how they're going to perform together yet. So when you when you get a guy that can that can block as well, I mean, that's going to be huge, especially, you know, blocking for a guy like Eli Manning who's thirty seven or going to be thirty seven. So I mean, this guy's and, bringing it all. He's got the intangibles, and I'm I'm super excited to 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 get football started to watch this guy play. Absolutely, and he and and you know he understands that. Being able to pass block in this league is going to keep you on the field. You're going to be playing third downs. You're going to be on the field um, if you can help in pass protection. So, um, and and you mentioned Beckham. My last point here. You hope that because Beckham's still so young yeah. that you hope that kind of these we talked you know these two guys in particular. Hopefully, it's the whole draft class that this kind of change in culture. Because you mentioned last year, you really needed a jolt of this, you know, positive energy. You hope that something like that can rub off on Beckham. Still, uh-huh. you still think there's hope that Beckham can look at these guys and say, you know what? Yeah, let's all buy into something here. This is a little bigger than myself. Um, you know, I don't know if that's the case with him. You hope it is because he is still so young. Um, you know, he's not an old dog yet that can't be taught a new trick. So hopefully that's the case because, you know, with all this young talent, man, and, you know, a, a wily old vet at quarterback, you all pull on the rope in the same direction, man. You can do a lot of good things. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm hoping I'm hoping what you're saying happens to this kid. Um, he's just – he's got to be excited for what, what just perspired in the draft and it just – let let's hope they come out on top and they have a much better season this year. Um, but you know, post draft, I think both our teams did very well. Like we said, a minus ish 90 ish grade. If we're going to grade them. Um, and it's going to be exciting. I mean, you know, we're still in the throes of baseball, but you know, little things like that get you excited for football. You know, you want to see some of these young dudes play. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I don't know about you, dude, but, I mean, not much to mention. I haven't really watched any playoff hockey, to be honest with you. Um, no. If you, if you have. No, not really. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Isn't it crazy? Even, you know, even when my team was out, like when the Rangers were out, they were still, they made the playoffs the last ton of years. I don't know. How many years in a row was it? It was a lot. Yeah. They had, a nice, they had a nice string of playoff runs. And even when they got knocked out, I still watched a little more hockey because I was still kind of in it. This year, dude, oh, my God, I really haven't watched anything. I would flip through and just kind of, like, catch a few minutes here and there, but that's it, man. I think if it turns out to be, say, like, Washington and Winnipeg in the finals, mm. that would that matchup kind of wets my whistle a little bit. I, um, the Winnipeg team's very good, and you look at, you know, a, kind, not kind of a matchup of Ovechkin against Lane, kind of – very similar players, but Lane's in kind of the Ovechkin mold and almost mm-hmm. a passing of the torch, the old and the young, both in their first final. Um, 
I think that would be fun. Um, Vegas is a cool story, but to be honest, if it's Tampa against Vegas in the Stanley Cup final, you catch me watching, you know, a rodeo before that. I'm sorry. It's just yeah. <laughs> that doesn't get me going at all. Well, I'm just I- I'm only rooting for Tampa for the Rangers sake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It helps our pick. Uh, I mean, they can actually win this year or next year. It's we, either or. We could still just completely fuck up that pick. Oh, of course, <laughs> of course. I mean? which we probably uh, would. It, I mean, and and the guys that we you know that were Rangers that are over there, I like them, so it would be kind of cool to see them. I, I I would be happy for them. Yeah, me too. But it's it, a part of me would still just be pissed off too. Like, <laughs> of course, like, yeah. this is like literally like our team. <laughs> like, Got everybody over there. Why am I not celebrating this championship? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I know. You know. I know. And you know what? You 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 bring up Vegas. It really is a cool story, man. You sit back and think about it. This unbelievable first year. Ne- this never happens, dude. It's you're not team. even supposed to be good. No, you're not supposed to be good. You're supposed to quote unquote being a kind of like a rebuilding team. You know, would yeah. be like that kind of record. But this team, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like a, let alone be like a 500 team. Okay, right. Oh, let alone make the playoffs, sneaking into the playoffs and getting swept. No. Making the playoffs and you know getting in the conference final, the unbelievable, ridiculous. So you you kind of have to give it to give it to them big yeah. time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just it's crazy, but yeah, I I hear what you're saying. But all in all, like I like I really haven't watched much at all. No, me neither. Flip through a little bit, so there's really really not much much to talk about there. But you know, got some uh, a lot coming up. You know, Stanley not here right now, but I know he's pretty pumped up for Sunday and. I would be too if my team was playing. Um, and then you got the Western Conference um, kicking off uh, Monday, I believe. I think they play Monday, Sunday, Monday. So I know he's going to be pumped up for that. I'll watch for DFS purposes. And then uh, a lot of baseball to be played. Always. Always, always. So a lot of baseball. Um, when's the French Open coming? It's coming up, right? Well, it's usually right at the end of May. So we're probably yeah. a couple weeks away here. Okay, so that that'll be exciting. Um, another major, you know, these tennis majors are fun to watch. Oh. This is like probably the least out of the four, but you know, it's still a major. Still watch it. Yeah, I like it. I love the clay. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's different. A different dynamic to the game. Right. So, I mean, and obviously, you would think that Nadal is the proverbial favorite right now. I think he's always favorite on clay always. until he's dead. Until he's dead. I mean, he's still a good player. <laughs> so, picking his wedgie, you know, uh, loves his clam diggers. <laughs> Picking his wedges, <laughs> eating his bananas. He'll be there. <laughs> oh, man. But, you know, uh, and is is Federer playing or no? Is he going to play in this? I don't know. I haven't been. I know. I haven't seen much. Maybe Rye would know. I hope, um, I hope he is. Yeah, I hope he is. I feel like if he does play, it, it like, I don't know. It kind of sends a signal that this could be his last year, you know? Because he, right. he kind of would want to play all four in the in his last year, um, yeah. and if he doesn't play, I have a f- sense that he's not done yet. I don't know. That's what I'm thinking. Could all right, be. real real quick before we head out here. Go ahead. A little local baseball. So I'm on. We got the playoff bracket here. Okay. Um, let's see. We'll start with our boy McSherry out in Longwood. They're obviously in the big school double A. Um, they got the six seed. Um, so they're down in this, they, they split into four brackets. 
the large school, 17 yeah, teams. It's, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it is cool. It's crazy. So they open against Hills East at home on Monday. Um, play the winner of Comac and Sachem North, and away they go there. And of course, our, our alma mater, Rocky Point, two seed in the A. Beautiful. What a shock, Shorm, Waiting River, one seed. <laughs> so they get a they get a buy. Well, actually, top three get a buy here. It's a it's an eleven seed wow. tournament. Um, so Shorm one, Rocky Point two, Sayville three, Miller Place four. All the big dogs there. Mm-hmm. Rocky Point will open Wednesday. They get the winner of East Islip Harbor Fields okay. at home in the backyard there at RP. So looking forward to that. Yeah, that's that's great. I hope you uh, you catch a game here and there. Yeah. Wish wish I could. Um, and good luck to 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 Ash and and McSherry. Yes, be nice to nice to see them go far. <clears throat> Let's have double county championships here. Yeah, it'd be kind of fun. Um, be fun. So yeah, we're gonna get out of here. I hope everybody enjoys uh, a couple weeks of nice weather coming through. Some good baseball, some playoff action, basketball and hockey and. Like we said, tennis is coming up as well. <clears throat> Please uh, check us out on all the social platforms, especially our YouTube channel as well as our Twitter handle, at the Angry Hacks. Give us a tweet. And, of course, download our episodes on iTunes. Give us a review. Tell us how we're doing. If we suck, let us know. If we're great, let us know as well. But we, uh, we're going to be out of here. And uh, enjoy, enjoy your night. Enjoy your weekend, guys. Peace out.